Hello, and welcome to Online and Inspired, a weekly podcast for educators, parents, and those leading the way in the future of learning. I'm Emily Smith, founder and CEO of Teleteachers. And I'm Marissa Rothermeld, special education teacher extraordinaire, or mommy, as my daughter calls me. We are on a mission to live inspired always and talk about our jobs as education innovators, aka modern day educators navigating all the things. We are here as pioneers in online education, firmly set in our beliefs in equity, equality, and balance in all things. We are proud educators, proud parents, and we are here with you every week to talk about how we embrace it all, from ed tech news to uh-ohs and boo-boos. Thank you for listening today. Please be sure to subscribe. In everything that we do, we strive to bring levity to the conversation. If you're not leaving this podcast with the same feeling you leave the workroom after some juicy banter we all love, we're doing something wrong. We're moving the water cooler conversation online. So let's get to chatting. Are you ready, Marissa? I'm ready, Emily. I'm caffeinated and committed. Let's talk online and inspired. Good afternoon. It is Monday, October 3rd, 2022. This is Marissa Rothermel here with Emily Smith. We together are online and inspired, and we're so glad that you're joining us today. Emily, how are you? I'm tired. How are you? <laughs> um, I am cold, mildly plague-ridden, um, so I might sound a little off today. Uh, I have survived our first hurricane, um, and just I am I am all the things. I, I have a lot of feelings about right now, but mostly I'm going to complain about being cold because I moved to the south and I didn't think it was supposed to get cold here. And this hurricane has made it so it's cold. And I have feelings about this. So what uh, temperature is it in Charleston today? 62. Ooh, that is cold. I know. 62. I have long pants on. I have a sweatshirt behind me. I'm holding on to my cup of coffee for dear life just to try to like thaw my fingers. And I realize I'm sounding very dramatic because, you know, six months ago I lived in New York and 60s was a perfect day. But does your body adjust really quickly? <laughs> yes, we aren't we aren't as uh, resilient as we were. No, no. It's one of those things where, you know, I, it's been 90 plus 100 plus degrees for so long here to rapidly drop to you know 60s and 70s my body's not ready not at all you need to you need to do what i did last uh last weekend so um trying before we knew where the hurricane was going to hit in florida being in fort lauderdale i took madison and uh we went to missouri to spend some time with family well, we get here. I'm cold, of course. And uh, I went to the tractor supply store, which I loved. I don't know if you guys have it in Charleston, but it's a big hit. And <laughs> so I went with my dad and my, my little girl um, and I got the best softest flannel shirt. And I got this like um, really cozy jacket you can't go wrong there. I mean, you can buy anything you want from a Carhartt to a candle, to a flannel, to I'm sure tractor stuff, but maybe, maybe you should embrace, uh, being in the South. Maybe I do need to do that because, uh, I'll tell you what, I'm not prepared. I need, I, right now I'm looking for slippers. I, 
as I've told you, we've done a terrible job of unpacking. Uh, we've lived here for months now, and there are two places in our home where we just have not unpacked. And that is our very large upstairs office, which has tons of books and all games and all this, you know, office-y stuff. And then we have our garage, which is just everything else. And I know somewhere in there, there are slippers. Do I have any idea what box? I sure do not. I was not ready for this at all. So I need, I've got a sweatshirt behind me. Of course, it's like super bright colored tie-dye. It says be kind on it. And I'm going to have to just survive off of that until I get my button gear and, and get to actually unpacking. I thought that was kind of my hurricane plan. Okay. I thought that we were going to be locked down for days. And I was like, well, that's it. It's forcing us to stay home. You know, everything's going to be flooded. You can't go outside. I didn't really have a concept of how long a hurricane lasted. And so I thought, okay, we're, you know, we're going to be inside for like four days. And as long as there's power, we're going to unpack boxes. And even if there isn't, un isn't power, we're going to unpack boxes. I didn't unpack a single box, not even one. So, so what did you do? Well, I commented on how strong the wind was outside. <laughs> I took a lot of pictures. I snuggled with my toddler who was a little under the weather. Um, our power behaved oddly. We never lost it for a long period of time, but we were very prone to brownouts. It would go on, be really strong, and then like flicker. And so we didn't want to run any of our major electronics. So we mostly hung out with the kid and said, boy, is it dark outside? Sure is getting windy. You know, that kind of thing. <laughs> well, you're you're embracing your new environment and yeah. you know, this is your first hurricane. And so was it what you expected? How How is uh, Charleston? What were image? So the night before, we thought we were in for it because suddenly, you know, and, and I feel so terrible. Let me just say that, but, you know, for all of Florida that just got so affected and so many people affected by this, this hurricane. And if I make light of it in any way, it's only due to my own experience. And that's just how I handle things. But for everyone in Florida, my heart is with you. There's so much rebuilding to do. Um, and, and, and my thoughts are with you for sure. Uh, but here in Charleston, the internet is a wonderful thing. It is also awful because what Google did in a very, very helpful way is they created a way to see the exact projected trajectory of the hurricane. And so, you know, when you think of that, you think of, okay, you can see that it is going to sweep over your state, maybe even your county. No, no, Google knows all and the exact path, you could literally look what street it's going to run up. And so Thursday, the panic button kind of got mashed here at the house because it was going to be fine, you know, and maybe we'll hit a category one or two. It'll be windy, but we'll be fine. It'll hit somewhere around Charleston. No, this path was indicating that the, the eye of the storm was going to hit two blocks from our house. No. So that's when things really got exciting. So I guess it was Wednesday that that was, um, got really exciting. And it stayed as that trajectory for a long time. Um, and so I kind of was, I have no idea what to expect. I've never experienced anything like this. Um, and so we went and got, you know, more emergency supplies because what else we're going to do? It was far too late to evacuate at that point. And then suddenly the path changed. 
the path changed to hit about an hour above us. And that's up by Polly's Island. And I'm so grateful that that path changed because I don't think that we would have been as prepared as we needed to be because that wiped out an entire pier. There is huge destruction up there. Um, here in Charleston, we mostly had downed leaves and smaller branches. Some trees got knocked over. Uh, the wind was intense. I mean, there were power lines down. Downtown was flooded, 100% flooded. Um, but kind of nothing unexpected got hit here. Uh, if we had been in a direct hit area, I think we would have experienced a lot more, a lot more issue. And it definitely showed me that, okay, you know, I can, I can do a non-direct hit category one, but anything more than that or anything that's ever going to be direct hit again, I think we're out of here because there was a lot, there was a lot of down power lines. There was a lot of down trees and that was a pretty minimal storm. So, uh, so we had some takeaways from that. Um, it was very interesting going kind of preparation shopping because you got to think of, you know, what are you going to get? Peanuts. <laughs> peanuts. It's not a thing I would have thought of, but man, peanuts. everyone was buying peanuts here. There really? were giant, giant, um, I don't know, like in the produce section, you know how you have those kind of giant shelves? There were just people scooping, scooping peanuts into bags. And I was like, I'd never thought about getting peanuts for a storm. I guess that's, that's you know, it's protein. It's satisfying. Uh, but peanuts, that seemed, that was a thing I took away from this is like, if, if hurricane, then peanuts. I'm just imagining you in your basement right now, like cracking open these peanuts. Hundred <laughs> percent, what I would do. But here's the other thing about Charleston area: we are the low country, and that means that we are at or below sea level in like all parts of our county. So nobody has a basement. So if you are <laughs> the safest place in my house is my podcast room. <laughs> because I'm in a closet. So we're all going to be eating peanuts and, and sitting in the dark. <laughs> do you have do you have peanuts right next to you that we can't see? <laughs> well, I wish I could say that I did. In fact, I have tortellini and uh, I'm pretty pumped to eat that in between taking breaks from speaking. <laughs> I am. I'm so devastated with, you know, we we have some school partners that were just um, so affected and um, thank, thank goodness our team is safe, but um, folks did experience some damage and, um, you know, looking out at the West coast of Florida and other areas, it's just devastating. So I just echo what you said about our thoughts are with those who were affected and we're so sorry, um, you know, for what you're experiencing as you try and pick up the pieces. Yeah, there's definitely some rebuilding to be done all across all across the country. And this was such a strange storm in how it strengthened. You know, it got really, really big, really fast. And the, the path changed a million times. And I guess that's unusual from everything that I have read is that the way that this storm behaved is very, very unusual. So I'll, I'll check back after storm two and let you know how different it was. But uh, <laughs> storm one was something, I'll tell you what. And I really missed the Internet. I did. I really did. I missed the internet because I was like, oh, I'm, I could work from home because I'm here anyway. And then I realized you can't work from home, silly, if there's no internet. <laughs> so Friday was kind of a loss, but oh, well, live and learn. So can I fill you in on, on the best weekend ever? I really want to hear about it. Go for it. I took Maddie to her first county fair and it was so cute. So I know it was just a, it was just a, a dream. So I grew up 
you know, in Missouri and, you know, county fairs were a big thing. Um, and uh, being in Missouri, my sister only lives a couple hours south uh, in Northwest Arkansas. So my little niece uh, was in the talent show at the county fair. So we decided um, my mom actually came into town. My dad, uh, was there and Maddie and I went to, um, went to the talent show Friday night. And then we walked around the fair and it was just like, I had missed being in being home and those types of activities that you just don't get in a big city. And she went nuts, Marissa. She saw this horse and it wasn't just like a horse. It was like a Clydesdale. Um, if I know my horses, which I don't. And, uh, fearless, fearless. And I'm just terrified of everything that moves. So here she is like climbing the fence to try and pet this horse. And I'm like, mom, go get her. I'm not getting close, but, uh, it was That's so awesome. Did they do uh so I've been to a few County fairs, not a ton where I'm from. Like you kind of had to travel to state and County fairs, um, from where I'm from. Did they do uh animal judging at this one? Oh, Did- absolutely. Yeah, that was my favorite thing. That was totally my favorite thing whenever I got to one of these. And then some of the ones that, you know, would be for sale or whatever afterward, I always wanted to take home like 18 rabbits. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, we, yeah, we went into, we went into the barn and that was actually Maddie's favorite part. She went nuts over um, the little baby goats. And, oh. I mean, you could not keep this girl's hands out of the cage and she was wallering all over these goats and the owners, you know, let her play around with them. It was so, so cute. And then, um, uh, you know, I took her into the house of mirrors and it was so fun. She was just kept running into herself, but, um, yeah. And she was there with, with two of her cousins and, uh, ended the night. I will never forget this on a pony. And she was just having the time of her life. And it's also the only time that I will get close to a horse is when it's super small and it's tied up on a merry-go-round. So, (laughs) so I put her on this and walked next to her and she just, I'll never forget how happy she was. It was just, it was just a really, really fun time. You and I have that in common then, because I, I don't do horses either. I don't. They, they've got big teeth. I feel like I'm going to lose a hand all the time. It's not my thing. Or they'll kick you, right? Yeah. So this is like, they're too unpredictable. Sorry sorry to all our horse lovers. We know that they're wonderful creatures, but we just don't prefer being around them. <laughs> I love to watch them. I love to watch them run. And I just, I, just, I don't feel the need to touch one or be <laughs> immediately adjacent to it. You know, like all those people, you know, growing up, people want a pony, right? I never went through that. I was like, I'll take a puppy. <laughs> Puppies are good. And horses are great too. They're just, they're just not my vibe. But, oh, well, did you, you obviously didn't see any storm effects where you were out in Missouri, right? Middle of the, yeah, yeah. So. Because well, Marissa, Missouri's in the middle. <laughs> that's, it sure is. It's so funny because now working, working with this, uh, this crew of people, it's, amazing to hear how different everyone's experiences are because you know I grew up in New York if there was a hurricane down south eventually you're going to get some cold you're going to get some rain you know you're going to see some stuff so you're you're always aware when a hurricane was happening but talking to people in the in the midlands or out on the west coast they're like oh yeah we we didn't even know that was going on over there yep yep so it's a whole different vibe for sure 
Um, are you still out in Missouri or are you, cause you weren't, weren't you going out there for a few weeks? Yeah, I'm, I'm spending one more week out, out um, in Missouri, which I'm just loving and spending time with my grandmother. And uh, we had a family dinner last night, which is so fun. Um, and I love that Maddie gets to experience that. I am in Austin, Texas this morning. <laughs> I woke up at 3.30 in the morning to come down here. Um, I get a call on Friday from um, Rachel on our growth team. And she goes, hey, can you, uh, can you be in Austin Monday morning? I'm like, sure, okay. <laughs> oh my goodness. So I'm in Austin and then uh, 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 talking about mental health and having some discussions around that at the state level, which is so, so important. And then Wednesday, I'm, I'm in Chicago. So it's a little bit of a busy week, um, but making a pit stop in between here and there back in Missouri. So all, all the things, all, all the places. Yeah, it's feel good, though. It's feel good. You've got a lot going on, you know, both uh, uh, family and professionally. So you're not bored. That's for sure. <laughs> are, are you ever bored? Me? Oh, God, no. No, 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 no. That was one of the coolest things from the storm, though. We went out yesterday, of course, because what we ended up doing was being home for approximately out. Who am I kidding? We went out walking like an hour after the storm passed. You got my daughter walking and I promise you it was safe, everybody. But, you know, an hour after the storm has passed, we're out there and her little, her wisps of little red hair are still blowing in the wind and I got some pictures, but starfish. Evidently, after a storm, starfish get disrupted from where they feed. And this is not a thing I knew anything about. It is very rare to find a starfish on the beaches locally here. But after a hurricane, thousands are all over the beach. Really? Did you see them? Absolutely. So we didn't go until Sunday. So the storm hit in its most intensity on Friday. On Saturday, basically people from all over Charleston County went down to Folly Beach and spent all day with the tides throwing starfish back into the water that's not what I expected you to say yeah <laughs> like you know bringing them out and using using them for decor and stuff right but right well a humane thing to do is to throw them back yeah well so Sunday you go and get the ones that didn't go back right so <laughs> Sunday we went and if we found a live starfish we would fl- throw it back but if it was a deceased one you could obviously keep it um but they were everywhere on the beach and people had spent an entire day picking Uh these up there's tons of pictures but you could not move it was just starfish everywhere and i'll post a picture of it uh as well as my daughter doing her best to throw starfish back into the water and it was really very very interesting um it wasn't something i i ever knew about until this hurricane had come through and suddenly there were starfish and i had to find out why and if this was permanent or what but i guess they feed in very shallow water so the second that a hurricane comes through it pushes them all up uh up to the beach so yeah it was really remarkable really something to see there's just so much disruption that happens with these storms across you know all ecosystems yeah yeah my ecosystem is disrupted because all of my allergies are triggered And your internet was out for a little bit. I know. Everything's, everything is weird now. Everything is weird. (laughs) 
but uh, it was definitely a learning experience and we're grateful that we were minorly impacted, but I uh, feel for those who, who certainly experienced it more than us. Um, I, our, our guest is on already. Uh, I'm thinking I might let her in and we can have a little bit of an extra long talk this morning. And welcome to Chanel Brown. We're so glad that you're here today and we're going to jump right into it with who are you and what do you do? <laughs> <laughs> Hi, everyone. My name is Chanel Brown. And currently, I am an administrative dean at a middle school in Colony. Middle school. Yes. Wow is right. That's the bravest of the brave. <laughs> How oh, do you yeah. do it? You never, you never know what you're going to get from day to day, I tell you. Keeps it interesting. How big, uh, how big is the school you work for? Oh, we, we have um, quite a few amount of students. We're probably at about 550, 600 in that range. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's yeah. that's enough to keep you busy. I mean, you oh, could have yeah. said two kids and I'm like, whoa, that's yeah. plenty in your teenagers. <laughs> right. All right. Awesome. So an administrative dean? What does that what does yeah. that mean? So yes, administrative dean is basically the principal. So I'm a principal for two grade levels. But the administrative dean position itself is to help to give give me experience as an administrator. So I basically have a leave from my school counseling position, which I'm sure you'll hear, hear about later, um, so that I could have this experience as an administrator and see where I want to take things from there. That's amazing. Yeah, it's an awesome opportunity. It really is. Yeah, that really is. That's awesome. Okay, so while you kind of hinted at, you know, the other piece of, of what you do, uh, so how long are you on this leave for? How long have you been in the administrative side of things? And what did you do before that? So I am in this position for two years. I just started and I was a school counselor at the other middle school in the district and decided to switch things up a little bit. Um, I love school counseling. I love working with kids and I wanted to see, you know, what else I could do within my career to take that to another, another level. Because I love leading and I love working with students and families. So I did go back to school after um, leaving another district. It was kind of like an aha moment of, you know what, maybe you need to do something else to grow. And that's what I did. And it led me here. Can I just take a moment to say thank you? <laughs> The work that you've done as, uh, you know, any school counselor, I mean, that job is enormous, enormous. Yes. And, you know, um, I love that you bring that perspective into administration. So across both of those areas, I am confident that you're a miracle worker and uh, <laughs> you, uh, you deserve all the kudos, um, you know, for your leadership uh, at both of those things. Thank you so much for saying that. And I definitely can't do it alone. You know, we're all in this together and we do the best that we can. So important. It is. So with kind of balancing two things, because you're never not a counselor, even when you're in administration, you know, let's be honest here. Good point. Uh, <laughs> how do you maintain a work-life balance? Well, you know what? That's something that's still a work in progress for me. I'll have to admit, you know, when I was a counselor, I think I had maybe a little bit more flexibility as far as my time um, because it was just a different role. Um, not to say that you come in as soon as the day starts and you leave as soon as it ends, 
but there was just a little bit more flexibility. So for about two years, I think I, you know, took a lot of time and I worked on that balancing act. And I think towards the end of last school year, I had it down a little bit better. Um, but now that I'm in a new role, I'm starting all over again. <laughs> so I'm still trying to figure it out. So I had incorporated working out into my life, you know, as the lifestyle. So for about a year straight, oh, a year this month. Yeah. So a year this month, I've been working out um, two to three times a week and I have a pup at home and I have two kids. It feels so weird to call them kids because they're, they're actually, they're two adults at this point, but I also have two grandkids. So, you know, there's a lot of things going on that now I'm trying to figure out how to balance all of that on top of and you probably weren't expecting this, a real estate business that I also have. Wow. So there's quite a bit going on. So you don't sleep. Let's, <laughs> let's be honest here. Like you're not, I, you're not doing the sleep thing. <laughs> I, I do sleep. And I'll, I'll tell you, um, when, when I get into the real estate part of that, when I talk about that, you will find out that I have a virtual assistant. <laughs> I'm trying to do as little as I can, but still being hands on. And I think that that's the key to a lot of things that we do is that we have to know that we don't have to do it all alone. So that helps with the balance. Can I, can I just uh, read this quote that I saw this morning on Instagram? Um, and it, uh, well, now I'm not going to be able to find it, but, uh, it, it talks about, I'll find it and we can put it up after the show, but it talks about the side hustle and, um, you know, how em employers traditionally have, you know, they haven't wanted you to moonlight or do, you know, whatever your heart's desire is outside of your job. And it was giving pause to that and contradicting it saying this, that people who do uh, have side hustles and businesses and are entrepreneurial outside of their day jobs show up happier and are more productive mm -hmm. at their, you know, uh, their, their regular day to day, because they're able to, you know, have that, that sense of accomplishment and have that outlet. And so I just think that it's really cool to be entering this, um, time when we can talk openly about being, more than educators. I mean, educators are, you know, is the, one of the greatest things we'll ever do, but on top of that, who else are you? So I just, I love that. I, I love that you're running a business on top of, um, everything else that you're doing. Yeah. And I think that a lot of us have dual interests, you know, um, there are some people who they're, you know, in a particular profession and they will hear that I and in education and also in real estate. And then they may say to me, oh, I've always wanted to, to get into real estate. And it's like, well, what's, what's stopping you? Why not, you know, do it, um, take the first step. But I think sometimes fear gets in the way and people think that they don't have time to do both of them. But I think that as long as you can figure that out, you can figure out a way to manage both and you can, you can do both. You know, and I think one of the coolest shifts, as Emily was saying, and you're kind of alluding to, too, is that this is new, you know, because when you were an educator, when you were an administrator, that was supposed to be like your life. And, you know, then social media came about and then it was like, oh, you're in education. Don't really be on that. 
you know, don't have a voice outside of the classroom because, you know, you're, you're just a teacher or whatever. And like, that's what you're supposed to look like at all times. And now it's kind of like, okay, well, who else are you? And that's just a very big, I don't know, that, that that's a growth I've seen in the last, you know, few years. And I think partially fueled by the pandemic when you kind of had to rely on your other things to keep you going when, when your life changed, right? Absolutely. Um, I'm glad that you brought that up. I'm glad that you brought that up as far as the pandemic is concerned. So if I can just rewind a little bit, um, I was working for another district when the pandemic happened and I was someone who was laid off as a result of the pandemic. So it really did make me evaluate life because I was working for a district that I never thought that I would leave. First of all, I thought I had life set. Like <laughs> I knew where I was going to be working. Um, I had planned on growing within the district, but you know what? Things just abruptly changed and it was totally out of my control. And the pandemic was actually the driving force that led me to going back to school for my administrative degree because I felt at the time, and I still do feel, that because I was in that school counseling um, area, that it limited me as to what I could do within education. So, you know, I would go online, especially at this time, because now I was looking for another job. <laughs> so I was looking at different job postings and all of them that I was interested in, or at least most of them, required me to have a um, school building leadership certification or a school district leadership certification. So I've always been one of those people where it's kind of, I ask my question, I ask the question, like, what do you want? What do you want to do? And then when I figure out what that thing is, I figure out how to get it. So if going back to school was what I had to do in order to get it, then that's what I needed to do. And that's what I did. So now I feel more secure, I guess, that if that were ever to happen again, I have so many different areas that I can explore and not just um, that one area that I had at the time. Um, and then, of course, it also helps with growth within my um, field. So that's what led me to it. That's such a beautiful perspective. I, I get the sense that you're fearless. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, so uh, my girlfriend, one of my girlfriends texts me this morning and she's an entrepreneur, um, runs a, a great company um, that does culture consulting for startups. But it was, she said, it's my four year anniversary of being laid off, which pushed her into entrepreneurship. She was actually laid off when she was on maternity leave side note. But what she said was, scratch that. It's my four-year anniversary of being set free. Ah, <laughs> yes. So beautiful. Yes. I love that. That's a, a great way to look, to look at it. Layoffs are so hard. I experienced one um, when it was 2012. Yeah. In New York, when there was like the teaching crisis, uh, where they had too many teachers and then, you know, there are 600. I know, I know it's laughable today. It's laughable Not today <laughs> when I, so it was 2009. It was a hot nightmare 
where, you know, if you went in for uh, an interview, you were up against 600 candidates, not an exaggeration. Uh, you know, you know, that area Gilderland is a perfect example. There were 642 other people applying against me for one position that I went for um, inside information, obviously there. But uh, I did not get that position. Um, I ended up leaving New York State to go teach in D.C. for a little while because it was the only place I could find uh, a, a position. Ended up coming back to New York, held a position for a year and got immediately laid off because it's that last in, first out. And they're like, we have massive budget cuts. Doesn't matter how good you are. Doesn't matter your passion, anything like that. We need to make up the money. So we're closing these classrooms, et cetera. And at that point, I was like, okay, I have moved out of state. I've moved back in state. I've been laid off. My life is over because I can't, like, why did I go into education and all that? And I had a very limited certification at the time where it was first through sixth grade, general ed, special ed. And someone took a flyer on me, uh, preschool special, special education. And I, if I had said one thing since starting my education career is that I would never teach the littles. I would never <laughs> And here I am finding myself in this littles program. Okay, here are these little beans, right, who have never been to school. Their parents have never, you know, sent a child to school, much less embraced special education because, you know, these are these are their babies. And I absolutely fell in love with the environment. It changed how I taught because I learned to embrace music. It changed. It taught me how to achieve structure in a classroom with these kids who were just these little peanuts. You know what I mean? They're two, three, four years old, going to school for the first time, never been outside of the house, and and getting them learning already. And not none of it would have happened if it weren't for that layoff, which I I cursed at the time and I cried over a million times. But it changed literally everything I have done from there for the better. And totally proved me wrong that I absolutely love teaching the littles. So, <laughs> but yeah, layoffs are terrible and, and tragic, but also can, just like in your situation, can, you know, yeah. find the next you, you know? Yeah, I can totally relate to that. You know, I felt, I felt like, like you said, like all the hard work that I had put into proving myself where I was, um, was done. And, it, you know, I was there for 18 years. Let's oh, talk geez. about that. That's a long time, right? That's a long time. <laughs> and there is a little technicality with that as to how it happened that I was um, laid off. So a lot of people, they hear 18 years, but I had started, and this may lead into um, your next question, I don't know, but I had started in education as a guidance secretary. That's how I started. And I was in that position for 15 years. And within that time, I had gone back to school um, for business at first for my bachelor's degree in business. And when I was probably, I'd say in my last semester of that degree, I realized like, hey, you, know, you have this degree, what's next? And you know, you're gonna get a job somewhere in the business world or, or what? And every time I thought about that, I got a little sad because then that would mean that I would have to leave education. So instead of looking for a job in the business world, I went and I spoke to the dean for um, school counseling and just, you know, asked a few questions because the counselors that I had worked with over the years, they would always tell me, oh, you'd be great at this job. You know, they would see how I would interact with the students, the staff, parents, 
And in the beginning, I totally just refused that. I didn't want anything to do with it. <laughs> like, no, no, I don't want to be a counselor because I saw what their days were like every day. But over time, I, you know, I was just kind of like, hmm, you know, just kind of thinking about that. Like, maybe, maybe I would be pretty good at this, you know? So I, once I went and I had the conversation with the dean and had a few conversations with the school counselors that I had worked with over the years, I went for it and I loved the classes. I was totally prepared for class. I could have taught some of the classes because of the, the job that I had um, for so long. And it was one of the best decisions that I had ever made. I'm so glad that I did it. That's awesome. And now you're on the next leg with with going into administration. And I'm sure that you've heard a million times, you know, you'd be so great at this. You'd be so great at this. So uh, I'm sure all of your counselor <laughs> experience is going to carry over there, even if you're not doing it with the kiddos, you know, administration. Uh... <laughs> it definitely does. It yeah. definitely does. Like when you hear the word um, principal and, you know, they they some refer to me as the dean, some, but most refer to me as the principal here. So you would think that when you are called into the principal's office or when you hear the word, it's, it's you know, oh, you're going to, you know, it's going to be very punitive and, you know, the finger in your face type thing, <laughs> or they're going to scold you for something. But when they come to see me, it's more of a therapeutic approach. It's, you know, why is this child doing X, Y, and Z? And it's about teaching them that you know, you're in middle school and this is a time where these mistakes are supposed to happen. And it is my job and your counselor's job and everyone's job in this building to help to help you grow from this, to make you a better person. So that when you go to the high school, you will, you know, grow from there and make better choices, et cetera, et cetera. So I come from more of, of that approach, of course, because it's the counselor in me. So I think that sometimes people or kids are a little surprised at that. And I, but I think that um, the counselor part of me will just never go away. And that's how I will always be, no matter um, what role I end up in. Um, and I would hope that the students and parents would appreciate that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So wow, what, this is off the cuff here, what advice would you give to middle schoolers? You know what I mean? You are, you know, that not that they're listening, but their parents are. <laughs> What's, you know, for those of us who haven't been in the middle school world, you know, since we were middle schoolers ourselves, like what's the message that you want to put out there anymore to these, these kids hmm. who have gone through a pandemic, who are still feeling their teen selves, who are, you know, mm -hmm. like what's, What's your, what's kind of your maybe philosophy as, as far as administration goes with your counseling I would, background? I would say to seek the adults that are around you. I think that sometimes kids think that, you know, we won't understand or, oh, they're not going to do anything about it or, you know, but, you know, we have a lot of kids who are walking around here who are sad, who are mad, who are confused. Um, and then they just act and they react and what with what they know. You know, I think that all of us have that. We work with, you know, we do with what we know. And at their young age, you know, that's something that I would like for them to kind of shun away from because they haven't lived life yet and they haven't had as many experiences as we have. So I think sometimes when students sit down and they talk to me and I can tell them about some of the experiences 
experiences that I've either personally had or that maybe my kids have had or that I've had with other students throughout the years, they kind of, you can see their face kind of change a little bit. And it's like, oh, she does understand. Or when I sit there and I say something to them and I, and I say, well, you know what? You're probably thinking, you know, X, Y, and Z. And then they, they light up and like, yeah, <laughs> how do you know this stuff? It's a combination of being the mom and me and the educator and me. So it all comes out. So I think that if, if kids really just seek the adults in their lives, whether it's us here at school or at home, I think that would be the first thing that I would say to them so that we can help them through whatever it is that they're dealing with. Because everyone deals with something, right? Not just adults, but kids too. And kids, and I mean, all of us, we need, we need the support to get through whatever that is. What, what tremendous amount of, of grace that that offers your, your students and um, just in, embracing everyone's humanity. I mean, we don't have to be punitive in nature. We don't have to, I mean, yes, we have to do our jobs, but at the same time, if we can just handle every situation uniquely and understand that there's a little human underneath those behaviors that's likely confused um, and, you know, whatever else might be going on in their lives. I just think that more administrators, I mean, can you imagine a world in which every administrator handled situations like this? Right. I mean, if you think about it, you know, kids have adults at home, whether it's a parent or a guardian, they have adults at home. They have a totally different life outside of school. And that is where they sometimes learn who they are and how to react to certain things. Then you put that same child into a school building where they have, you know, all of these adults, they have principals, they have um, support staff, um, support services, your counselors, school psychologists, um, everyone, every adult in the building, really. It's not just all about teachers. It's about you walking down the hall and the custodian telling you to put your hood down. It could be anyone, right? So they have all of these adults here telling them sometimes to do the complete opposite of what they're allowed to do at home. So just that in of itself, if it's understood, I think that we can communicate better with students, you know, if we just have that understanding when we're talking with them. Do you have any tips for reaching a teenager? Seeing as you're in it, right? Mm -hmm. You're living in that. Like what is, you know, for the parents and, and, and uh, uh, teachers that are working with, with our, our teen babies, right? What, how do you reach them? What's, how do you get them anymore? <laughs> I think you get them by just being there, having conversations with them. That's not necessarily um, within your role. So if you're an English teacher, for instance, not just seeing them in English class and wanting to only, you know, talk about the next paper that's due, but maybe seeing them in the hallway and having conversation, really getting to know them, letting them get to know you a little bit, I think is what really breaks them down a little bit to make them see you as being more human. Cause you know how, and I'm sure everyone goes through this. When we were younger and we were in school, we would see our teacher at the mall or something like that. And it's like, what are you doing here? <laughs> Who let you out of the classroom? <laughs> exactly. So I think that if you let them see the human side of you, then they'll show a little bit more of themselves. And I think that that's how you break down the walls a little bit. 
I love that. That's always been part of my teaching philosophy is, you know, still be me within the classroom. That yes. the same person I am in the classroom is the same person I'm outside of the classroom. And if you are true to yourself and, and your authentic you, then it's very easy to relate to kids because you're not pretending. You're not pretending to, you know, need to control the classroom. You're just saying, hey, we're all here together. This is who I am. Who are you? Right. And and that builds that comfortable and cooperative, you know, atmosphere, you know. And and kids can tell when you're not being authentic. They can tell. Oh, so they totally do. You should just stay away from that. Don't do that. <laughs> they smell it a mile away. <laughs> they really do. They really do. And, you know, on that same time, once they do get to know you, one of my just favorite classes that I ever had, I had one, uh, one classroom for three years, students, um, who had experienced very significant trauma in their lives. And, you know, they had been on homeschooling and I was their opportunity to come back into school um, and had very significant behaviors. You know, they got to know exactly who I am because I needed to understand who they were. And that was the only way that we could grow together. But I'll tell you what, it, it's the same thing. They know when you're off, right? So say you're not yourself today. I could have been in the classroom 30 seconds. I, I walk in the door and they're, they got their eyes on me. They're like, what's going on? You got stuff? Yep. You want to talk about it? <laughs> I was like, all right, all right. Can't, you know, you can't read me like that. I love that. Because <laughs> it really does go both ways. Or at it, least when it does. it does go both ways, it that that works. I think that works so much better. And I think that they, they the kids, love the respect that comes with that. Yeah. You know, that it's not just all about them. Right. But when they show that they care about you, you know, that's just that's a win win moment right there. It is. And that's that's it. I fall back on that all the time and just all the smiles, just that, you know, my kids knew exactly who I was and that it was just so very symbiotic as far as helping goes. It's like and I couldn't I couldn't get to the base of who they are and what they needed without giving part of me and who I am, you know, and I think that there's still that kind of old, old, I'm, I'm going to call it old school mentality where it's just like, nope, this is the teacher. And you come in and you sit at your desks and like, there is no interaction other than your coursework. And I just, we're getting away from that, you know, and we're getting away from it as an administrative level too. And uh, it's just, it's a beautiful thing. And I'm happy. I'm happy that my daughter is entering school at this time where, you know, I look forward to knowing who her teachers are too, just who they are as humans and what their side hustles are. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, everyone should have a side hustle. Absolutely. It's good for you. <laughs> so I guess maybe related to that, how do you personally live inspired? I live inspired by continuously surrounding myself with those that are living in, in their path and who are successful in their path and always being sure to celebrate their wins as well. I think that when you when you do that, um, especially if you're the kind of person that can receive it in this way, when you see someone else winning, you then, you know, congratulate them and you celebrate them, but then you turn it around at yourself to say, Hmm, am I doing all that I could be doing in, in my field or, you know, should I be te- taking it a step further? Even with the podcast today, you know, there's, you know, a few people that I look up to in the educational role and, you know, I see them and I hear them on podcasts. I'm like, you know what? I have a story to tell too. I would, I would really like to 
hop on a podcast and, you know, tell my story. So, and then here we are today, right? So, (laughs) so that is how I stay inspired and believe it or not, you know, we're talking about social media, social media, um, LinkedIn. I love LinkedIn. I have so many LinkedIn friends that I have never met. And when I try to explain LinkedIn to people that don't have it, they, you know, look at me kind of weird, you know, like, oh, you don't know this person, you don't know that person. Like, no, you don't have to know that person. Not on LinkedIn anyway, you know, any other platform is totally different for me. But on LinkedIn, there are so many, you know, inspiring stories, accomplishments, um, especially if they're in the educational field for me anyway, because then I can reach out to them and take some of the things that they're doing and apply it to myself. Um, so those are a couple of ways that I stay inspired, keeps me going. That's awesome. And I know Emily's really big on, uh, LinkedIn and I need to get my game going with that platform because, you know, I've got the other ones down, but I have not mastered LinkedIn yet. I haven't, I keep, I made, I think four new connections today. I got the pop-ups, but I have not figured out how to utilize it for myself yet. (laughs) So it's a, it's a work in progress. Now you want to talk Facebook or Instagram? I'm your girl. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I I love LinkedIn. I think probably um, because, you know, on the other platforms, you know, there's inspiring things that are happening on there too. But when I can see someone that lives in like another state who is continuously growing in the field, you know, it, it lets you see what other roles are out there in education. It lets you know what you can do with your, um, certification area instead of specifically what that area is you know you can do other things with it and you know it makes you kind of research some things and say oh well I've never heard of you know this position I wonder what that is and then you can ask that person if you want to and you know people always respond Um, they're always so very um, gracious in that way so um, I love my LinkedIn you're convincing me you're convincing I love it all right, fine. When I'm sitting down later on, I'll play with it and figure it out more. It's, it's <laughs> like, you know, how we have, you know how we have, you know, the in-person networking um, events that you can go to and you meet all these people and you have conversations and you take cards. It's like that, except for it's virtual. All right. Same thing. All right. It sounds really good. How am I not using this more? Fine. Fine. There's my homework. I'm writing it down. Yes. Do it. Do <laughs> so it. So while you're giving awesome advice, uh, how about one book and one movie recommendation? So the movie recommendation, I don't know. I don't really watch too many movies. I mean, I do, but I can't say that they're inspiring so much. Um, but one book that was given to me last year from my former principal that I worked with and mentor, she gave me a book. It's called The Five Dysfunctions of a Team. And it's by Patrick, I think it's Lencioni, if that's how you say it. And I thought the book was really good because it doesn't just write about, you know, what what a leader should do and, you know, take these five principles and run with it. It's more of... um a situation it's they you can almost make a movie in your mind as you read the book because it sets it all up and it walks you through a particular leader and how she works her way through being new in in the it's a business world it's not an educational book it's just a leadership book and it really puts you inside of her head if she you know if you do this if she did this particular thing what would 
the uh, backlash be from that decision? And if she did this, what would the backlash be from that one? And then it's like, sometimes you find yourself in a situation where, you know, you can't make everyone happy. So it's, it's basically what's going to be the best decision for that particular situation that is best for the company and what you believe in for the company. So it's so very true and so close to, to my role in the administrative role, because like I said, you're not going to make everyone happy, but you have to make the best decision for the kids and for the families and for the school building. And be able to justify why you made that decision. So I thought that that was a good book because it actually puts you as if you were sitting at the boardroom table and at the meetings and it made it more real. So I actually wrote a, a book review on it for, for St. Rose. I like the book so much. So I think it's a good read. Wow. I'll definitely have to check that out. Sounds super interesting. Uh, Emily and I didn't get to do our book recommendations earlier. Emily, I don't know if you have one today, but I do have one uh, that I haven't read, but I'm going to recommend it because I'm so excited to read it. It sits uh, right now on my kitchen counter because I'm so pumped to read it. And I think the only way I'm going to have time to read in my life right now is literally while I'm waiting for coffee to brew or waiting for something to happen. So this might be a two page at a time situation. But my husband actually got this book partially for him, partially for me. As I mentioned, he was recently traveling out to California and attended some classes. And he came back with this book called Creativity, Inc. O Overcoming the Unseen Forces that Stand in the Way of True Inspiration. And okay, that sounds great and all of that, but it's written by the president of Pixar Animation and Disney Animation. Ed Catmull. So if there was ever a more perfect book for me to have to pick up and read, it's totally this one. So that'll be my book recommendation for the week. Em, do you have anything? Very fitting. I might. Um, yeah. So I picked this up at the airport this morning. I'm going to, oh, my virtual camera won't show it. My virtual background. It's called Let That Ish Go um, by Nina Purewall and Kate uh, Petri. Um, I'm probably pronouncing um, their names incorrectly and I apologize, but find peace of mind and happiness in your every day. So it just talks about, I've only like the first couple of chapters in, but it talks about um, how to really get a hold of, of your thoughts and control them and understand just being aware of the way that you talk to yourself. And it gives some really cool strategies for, um, uh, talking to yourself nicer and um, just for, you know, being more mindful. So that that's just the, the brief preview of my uh, initial um, read, but super about this one. Oh, I wrote both of those down. Thank you. Uh, well, we are at the top of our time together, the end of our top time together. And so I wanted to leave enough uh, time for you, Chanel, to you know, use your minute of self-promotion time. What message do you want to put out there? How can people find you on social media? How do you want to end our talk today? Well, I would say um, the best way to find me is on LinkedIn. So it's on LinkedIn. You search Chanel Brown and you'll be able to find me there. Um, reach out anytime. But I think for me, I think one of the passions that I have is helping other people um, especially women, helping them find their path. Because I've been through so much to get to this point, you know, that for a long time, I didn't know what I wanted to do. 
for a career. You know, at one time I thought just having a job would just be enough. You know, job and career, totally different things. But then when I got into the job, I noticed that I wanted more, but I didn't necessarily at the time know what that was. So, you know, I've been in the medical field, I've been in education, I've been in the business world, I've been in insurance, I've been all over the place. And I finally found my thing. So when I have conversations one-on-one with people and, you know, the counselor in me asks those perfect questions to get them thinking, right? And a lot of people walk away with, oh, well, thank you for that. And I'm thinking, well, I didn't really do anything. You know, you did all the thinking and you figured it out for yourself. But I think what I really would love to get more into is mentoring mentoring people to find out what their path is, because I think there's so many people out there who either don't know what it is that they want to do, or there's a fear in them of doing it. You know, I went back to school and I had two, two small kids and I was able to do it. There's weekends, there's online, there's classes during the week. I was doing all three of those at, in one semester at times, like you can make it work. And the payoff is is grand. So it's definitely worth it. You have the time. That's my <laughs> that's my last words. You have the time. You are so inspirational, truly. We really appreciate your time coming Thank on today. You. This was so much fun. Uh, you know, you'll have to come back in 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 a few months or a year and let us know how this administrative yes. journey is uh progressing forward for you and what your thoughts are there. And uh Thank you so much for coming on today. We really do appreciate it. Oh, thank you so much for having me. It's my first podcast. Yay. First of many. You're amazing. <laughs> thank you so much, ladies. Bye, everyone. Bye, Chanel. Let's talk about special education problem facing our nation. Seven million students need special education services, but over 98% of school districts can't find the staff that they need. On top of that, there are 14% fewer people entering the field. Whoa! It's no wonder teachers and providers are overwhelmed. Enter Teleteachers. We offer options. We can help fill in gaps in your special education teams, as well as help your teams monitor IEP goals and progress through our technology platform, Mira for Schools. We want to help special education teams get back to what matters the most, the students. Check us out online today at www.teleteachers.com or send an email to hello at teleteachers.com to find out more information. Tell them Marissa sent you. Thank you for joining us today. Take a deep breath. Remember, we, the education and parent community, work better together. We innovate better together and we don't need to be in the same physical space to do it. We are online inspired, and we are so delighted that you have decided to listen in today. You can find us working to live our best lives online via our Facebook and Instagram pages. Search for online and inspired, where you can also find our personal handles and, of course, plenty of baby pictures. You can also visit our website, which features our swag shop at www.onlineandinspired.com. And if you are looking for a position in online learning, please check out our website at www.teleteachers.com slash join.html and follow Teleteachers on Facebook or Instagram. Stay connected, stay inspired, and we'll see you next week.